Hi, welcome to Straight to Laserdisc. This is Andy. I'm here with my good friend Will, and uh, we're here to talk about 1959's classic movie, Ben Hur. Ben Hur. <laughs> it is um, classic because it's one of only three movies ever to win 11 Oscars. Um, it, it, that you know, it's good company with Titanic and Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. But we are talking about it today because it is. Frankly, I think of it as an Easter movie. Um, definitely a Good Friday movie. But um, and Will, Will, this is one of Will's favorite movies, <laughs> so sure. that's why I wanted to bring him on. And uh, and Will, uh, you know, just maybe introduce yourself and uh, and why do you like the movie? Why do you think it's a great movie? Yeah, well, I'm Will, and I work with Andy with the Knights of Columbus. And I think ever since I met him, we were talking about what are the best sort of like Christian movies that have authentic masculinity and Ben-Hur just like I had just watched it for the first time you know like over that Christmas and I was still just like psyched out of my mind about it so that was, I was like man how can like Ben-Hur not be on this list so we uh, <laughs> we just sort of were talking about it and um, yeah oh my gosh it's just such a great film just it's it is a cinematic masterpiece like the big screen cannot contain it. Like it, it is just incredible. So there's just so much to say. I don't know where you really want to jump in. Do you want to just start with like a summary? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just tell us a little bit about what um, basic plot of the movie. You don't have to go too right. far in depth, but. Um, okay, without giving away any spoilers, Judah Ben-Hur is a you know, wealthy uh, landowner Jew from the time of Christ. And he um, knows a Roman um, tribune, they call him. It's sort of like a, like a second in command to like the governor that was in control of Judea when the Romans had invaded and, and had cap, uh, held Jerusalem under siege. So he had known this uh, tribune for years and years and years. Ever since they were children, they played together as boys. And uh, he goes, he joins the Roman army, he gets brainwashed, and then comes back and is just, you know, he's, he's acting like he's still best friends with, with Ben-Hur. He wants to get his help to crack down on, on, on the Jews and get them to submit to the whole, like, Roman way of doing things. And he, um, he finds otherwise that, like, Ben-Hur is, like, still a patriot. He still cares about his people, their success and wants their freedom so this this is like the fundamental conflict of of the antagonist whose name is masala and then the protagonist ben-hur and it's just it's really this is one of the most incredible just setups i've ever seen in a movie because ben-hur is so he's such a man's man like him and masala like they they look like they're just so strong, like just so comfortable, like in their own skin. Like they're just like super ripped, like super buff. Like if, if you watch this movie, it makes you want to like go join a gym membership or something like that. <laughs> like it's just, it's just might so be, awesome. Yeah, that might be because of Charlton Heston himself. You know, the main, he plays Judah Ben-Hur for those yeah. who don't know. And he's, uh, he actually won an Oscar for this performance. And uh, yeah, he's just a big intimidating guy. And he worked with, um, William Wyler, who's the director of this movie, he, Charlton Heston was in this movie, Big Country, and William Wyler did all these screen tests, whatever, to try to get 
the right Ben Hur, and then he's like, wait, I just worked with this guy, Charlton Heston, maybe he'll be good. And um, I think he pulls off that role, like you said, like there's some sort of uh, manly gravi- uh, gravitas to yes. to both to both of them. That and um, but yeah, the the movie is um, it's epic, you know, to say the least. You know, I think it touted, you know, like 10,000 extras, like a thousand sets. It's like the biggest movie yeah. ever. And it came out at a time when the movie studio, um, MGM, was really desperate for a hit and to be different from TV. And this movie was either going to sink uh, or make or break MGM. And it ended up making like almost uh, $200 million at the time. Wow. So it's like a, it was a huge, huge Which for hit. that time, so, I'm sure it was like unbelievable. Right. So, I mean, obviously the main, uh, what? so basically what Will was saying is like the main um, plot that we get right away is that the difference between Masala, who's played by Stephen Boyd and uh, Judah Ben-Hur. And I think there, there is even some um, retorts or just like some snide remarks that Masala makes even about, you know, Judah's God. You know, yes. there's only the only God that there is. The only divine thing is the Roman temporal power, Caesar. It's like the whole. I'm gonna look at this like from a theological point of view, and you're gonna give us like the whole like movie like technical breakdown. Like this was like the pagan gods of Rome versus the one true God of Israel, and then all of a sudden, and this is why it's an Easter movie. Jesus Christ is literally walking among them, and is like like meets ben her and and like there's this like whole and that's that's the other interesting part of this this film is that while ben her is like going through all of these crazy trials jesus at the same time is going through his public ministry and goes through his passion and death which is why like we see it as sort of like an easter movie right and you know the 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 they cross paths a few times and that right. was this hugely significant part of of, of the narrative for like how ben-hur like grows and changes in the movie right and that's that and you actually left into my my next question about this is that you know the story not only follows ben-hur but also that of christ you know even the book that it's adapted from is called um ben-hur a tale of the christ so um i guess like why is it um you know why is christ i guess weird to ask why is he significant um within the story itself and and his impact on judah ben-hur right well there's there's two things i really want to say about this i'll I'll start with this one ben-hur is um so from where we left off with that summary masala like there's this very unfortunate incident where where the roman governor is going through um through you know, Jerusalem try to like, you know, bang on his chest, show he's got control of everything. And uh, Ben-Hur and his mother and his sister are sort of standing at the top roof of their house and a ceiling tile falls uh, and, and, and falls off of the roof, hits the governor, falls off his horse. And it's like, whoa, like they're immediately arrested, no trial. You know, there's complete like presumption of guilt. And then Ben-Hur is sent to be a slave for three years where he's basically a condemned man. He was supposed to be, you know, given capital punishment, but instead they sort of used him as like the motor of, of these like Roman ships. So right. you know, right before he's sent into this like three years of captivity, he meets Jesus who is just like 
he's he's like Ben Hur is being being kicked to crap, like he's not being given water, and then all of a sudden Jesus just like comes out of nowhere and, and meets him at the ground and like gives him this water. Right. And 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 at this point, I, I, I wanted to ask you this question too, because this is a, a good sort of difference between like this movie and any other movie. Ben Hur really doesn't have a character flaw. Like if you think about it, he's like the perfect man, with the exception of like this this building up anger that he has towards the Romans, which is completely justified, right? It's completely right. justified. Uh, but usually, when we think about a movie, everyone's like, "Oh, well, we want uh, we want a complicated character because that's what makes a good movie." But you know, I actually really like the fact that this guy just kicks butt and all the time, and like you know, whatever crap gets thrown at him, he just constantly gets back up. And in that idea, that crisis there one to help him through his suffering like giving him that water but also that god does not give us more than what we can handle you know that god you know through the old testament but god through the old testament into the new which is living among them jesus right like god Mm -hmm. is faithful to ben-hur god is faithful in that way through his son as he's meeting him and then through the rest of the movie like you just hear like these little bits and pieces of like what Jesus is doing in his ministry. Like, oh, there's this random healer from Nazareth. Like, what is he doing? And then there's Ben-Hur who's doing everything he can to find his mother and his sister again after they're in captivity to just sort of, you know, reclaim his life. And ultimately what he wants is to seek vengeance. But through Jesus, I don't, I don't want to make this a huge spoiler, but if, if you haven't seen the movie, it's all right. It's you know the movie is like sixty years old, so it's all right. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, like this is like the bomb. So like, so Jesus, in, in, in as he walks his passion, like Ben Hur is just like dumbfounded. He's just like, how is it that this man can be tortured and crucified? And if you think about it, Ben Hur didn't have it so easy himself, really, like at all. Right. And 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 he still you know, was able to say, like, this man has taught me to forgive my enemies. And, 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 you know, spoiler alert, again, like, Masala gets what's coming to him, right? Like, not at Ben-Hur's hand, though. Not at Ben-Hur's hand, but he gets what's coming to him. Right. And that's, that's something I wanted to ask you about, because what I find fascinating about the movie is that, you know, the movie is set up um, that, you know, Ben-Hur and Masala are going to have the head-to-head in a traditional movie, that would be the third act. That would be like the end. That would be the climax. So right. you say like the, the the famous chariot scene where they finally um, meet like meet in an arena again to compete in sports, um, which harkens back to when they're throwing javelins right at the beginning of the right. movie. Um, you would think that's the end. You know, like Masala. Uh, you know, spoiler alert: he gets trampled by horses and he's basically on his deathbed and um, and actually he dies like right after that right so you think the movie would end there that ben-hur is like okay i got my got my vengeance i'm riding off into the sunset but no the movie continues on for like right. a half hour because that's not actually the story of ben-hur so i guess the story um and you alluded to it is that it becomes not so much about it, it, it be, deals with his own revenge and angst about like what went wrong in his life um, right. instead of like the graces that he could receive from forgiveness right oh. and, and and another spoiler alert too like his mom and his sister become lepers because of their time in prison like which is like the worst possible disease like they get kicked out thrown in this valley and like yeah. 
I mean, what did this guy do to deserve this? You know what I mean? Like how, like, you know, he, he's just had to go through like such acceptance and there's, there's another interesting sort of theological subplot to this, which is that when he's in captivity, he is on a boat and he meets this like Roman sort of like general, so to speak, that is on the ship with him and, you know, says, oh, you got hate in your eyes. Like that means you're a good warrior. And oddly mm-hmm. enough, he invites Ben-Hur to chat with him after he's you know done with his work for the day. So Ben-Hur comes and uh you know the the general is sleeping and he wakes up sees ben-hur saying there he's like why did you not kill me and ben-hur's like well because clearly i would die if if i tried to kill you right now so there's no point in me trying to kill you and oddly enough he decided to trust ben-hur after that and shortly after their ship got invaded by you know some type of of group of of like pirates or whatever yeah i think it was the macedonians the macedonians uh, yeah so you know, Ben-Hur saves his life and all of a sudden starts this relationship of, okay, Ben-Hur is his guy. Like he trusts him now. He becomes his really just sort of like a dog in like, you think of like a horse fighting or like dog, dog races, things like that. He becomes his like slave property until eventually he decides to adopt him as his son, which this is the reason why I found out like about Ben-Hur as a movie it was referenced in a theology book that I was reading one day that was comparing Ben-Hur to Christ because Jesus was, um, in a sense, he was brought into, um, uh, brought into this line of, the, of David through adoption, right? Through adoption by St. Joseph, who's not really his father. He's his foster father, but that doesn't make him any less his father and this was one of the ways that the the prophecy was fulfilled that he would be born of a virgin but that also he would be born of the line of david and that david's son it says in scripture that david's son would be the messiah but clearly david's direct son solomon was not the messiah but then in the translation of the gospels son can just mean an ancestor because they really just didn't have a great right. word for for that kind of a direct lineage back then so Ben-Hur being given all of the rights and privileges of a Roman citizen is in the same way how Jesus was given these rights and how we are given these rights as we are adopted into God's kingdom. So instead of being a slave to sin and instead of being sentenced to death, we are being adopted into God's family. Right. So there's just this really incredible plot. And then like that sort of ties into the whole leper thing because his, his mother and his sister, who are like outcasted from society, he loves them. He brings them food. They don't want to be seen. They're so ashamed of their condition that they try to hide from him, but he does not make them feel any less for that. And that that message, you know, there's this one, this message of forgiveness, but then there's also this message of God's unfailing love for everybody, no matter what your condition is. And that's what makes him such a Christ-like character right. through all of it. And there's, I guess, to spoil what happens with the mom and um, the sister from leprosy, after Jesus is crucified, um, there's a rainstorm and all the blood that comes from from Jesus is uh, washed away into the leper colony, essentially. And uh, they touch the blood and they're miraculously healed. healed. And, but even before that, I think Ben-Hur, because uh, the scene before where you were talking about how... Um, 
Ben-Hur, how Jesus gave Ben-Hur water. This is played later again when uh, on the road to, to Golgotha, Ben-Hur is giving, trying to, tries to give water to Jesus. Right. Uh, yes. Denied. Um, so even before that, there, there is that sort of conversion already to the faith, or the new adoption, if you will. Right. Um, and it's fulfilled with that final um, moment of, of uh, the faith in God, that this is the, the son of God um, that heals his family. Now, it's funny that this is probably one of the most uh, Christian movies ever put the screen, but it was directed by a Jewish guy, um, William Wyler, who's a, if you don't know him, uh, to all two listeners out there, he's a great <laughs> actor. Um, you know, he's made one of the best movies ever called The Best Years of Our Lives. Um, you should watch that. But, um, but I, yeah, I guess I just wanted to ask you, um, like, why is this um, one of the best Easter movies? Because you think of other um, stories about Jesus mm -hmm. of like, um, you know, the greatest story ever told or the gospel according to St. Matthew, the Italian film. But this is kind of different. It takes Jesus. It doesn't, it's not about him. You actually never see his right. face. So what about this is probably a better Easter movie than those? So there's something oddly believable about this story versus Jesus's own story. Like shocker, right? Like Jesus is God. He literally gets resurrected from the dead and passes through walls like a ghost. Like, but, but for real, you know, so... Yeah people have a very difficult time accepting that you have like atheist movements all against that. And then you have people who like worship Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Twilight Saga, like all these movies and they make it about their entire life. But then no Christianity, we, we can't even entertain that idea, even though there's all this historical facts and data about it. So in one sense, Ben Hur, even as a fictional character allows us to entertain, like, what if that's, what if that's really true? Like that idea of, of, of what he experienced as a firsthand fictionally, right? As a fictional, but this could have really happened character with Jesus through his ministry. The second thing is that uh, Ben-Hur is what I call a secondary leader. So in, in, in management, in business management, I took a class in high school. This is the one thing that stuck with me. There's two kinds of people. There's a leader who comes up like, think like Steve Jobs, like a completely brilliant like idea that's so bizarre and revolutionary that everyone's just like, no, stay away from him. Like that's way too off, but like be for us. Like it's too different. And then there's someone who follows the leader. And this person is a, a leader in and of himself because they're teaching everyone else how to follow because right. everyone else is too scared to sort of bridge that gap. But then you have one person follow and everyone's like, oh, okay, it's okay to follow him. And then everyone else starts following that leader. So Ben-Hur follows that leader himself and that's Christ. So then we all love Ben-Hur and that's Charlton Heston who, and we haven't said it yet, became president of the NRA <laughs> in real freaking life. And that's just incredible because like you have the most badass like hero of 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 the of the cinematic world becoming like the real life president of the NRA and it's like oh my gosh I want to join that guy's militia like that's freaking cool. <laughs> we'll have to insert the you'll pry these from my cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Charlton Heston. I, I it's funny that you say that because um, 
maybe not it's not funny but it's it's a good point to bring up that uh that ben-hur because in the beginning of the movie he is a leader amongst his people he's a prince um and masala is trying to use his influence to try to you know accept the roman uh rule um and not be a revolutionary and that's one of the things that ben-hur says like i can't do this i can't go against my own people and that's why masala who's one of the most evil cinematic characters ever it's still you know even on a rewatch he's up there like i've put him maybe like top 10 at least he's yeah just... i came up with a joke for this call him chicken tiki masala <laughs> <laughs> oh rip <laughs> but, um, but yeah because ben-hur it, i I, actually at one point he actually doesn't really um pay attention to uh the rabbi's teachings as it's said like you know kind of easter egg drops of like right. i saw a guy you know talk about you know sermon on the mount and he even while jesus is giving the sermon on the mount we ben hur is in the distance and he just walks away he doesn't really pay right. any attention but that moment at the crucifixion is um that's where he finally becomes comfortable with the past that he dealt with that this guy has suffered more than me kind of i, I think maybe well, that well and, and you know what's so interesting too i was actually just learning about this in one of my classes people say oh well you know there's all these other people who've suffered more than christ and it's you know christ only suffered on the crucifix for one day he was completely fine other than that but the difference with jesus is that he's god right and that's not just to say that like he you know, has, um, you know, one of the reasons why it's worse is because he has infinite dignity, right? So when you, like, attack your brother or sister, for example, like, kids do that, you know, that's just sort of to, to be expected. When you go out and, like, slap the Pope in the face, like, that's like a shock right there, because it's like, this, this is a brilliant man, like, he's incredibly good, and sin offends him. Like, no one is more offended by sin than Christ, yet he submitted to this insane sin of, of the most innocent person in the world being destroyed, which feels like it's injustice. It's like, why did Jesus not go and just completely rain down legions of angels to just destroy this whole thing? Why didn't he just leave? Why did he submit to it? And the only reason is because he wanted to submit to the command of God the Father that he would pay the price for the sins of the world and that's what makes it the best you know sort of easter movie that that we literally see that like this guy can be a slave this guy can have his entire homeland taken from him brutally he can have his mother and sister turn into lepers lose his family and his entire life that he's got going for him and i mean he does get the girl right so that's awesome good for, <laughs> good for him but like he he can still see in christ like and that's one thing i was watching the passion that last night too everyone looks at Christ and they're like, whoa, he is holy. And they're like mesmerized by him, which I'm sure right. you know, we would be in real life too. I mean, we're like that when we go to adoration. Um, but it's just that feeling like this, this man is so holy that there's such a depth to him that, you know, it, it can change even the most hardened and even the toughest man. Like there's no one who's going to say Ben-Hur is a sissy because he didn't go and, and, and just kill Masala himself, right? Like everyone's going to be like, he could have done it, get multiple chances to do it. And he didn't. And, and that's okay. In fact, that was the more virtuous thing to do. Right. And also um, by doing, uh, telling the story of, of Judah compared with, um, with Jesus, intertwining them, 
there is some subplot at the beginning, you know, of, um, I think it's Judah Ben-Hur says it to Masala that when the Roman Empire falls, you'll, there, you'll hear a cry of freedom that the world has ever, uh, you know, never known before. And, uh, you know, there's hints of, you know, different revolutionary um, groups within Judea. But it's funny that that revolution does actually get fulfilled like that because you know as you can think of it as jesus being the ultimate revolutionary um in the you know that it's ever in a sense yeah um and and that cry of freedom is fulfilled but maybe not within the movie but it is after that it foreshadows it right now um I mean, this is a powerful movie, you know, Christian movie. And um, at the time, you know, you know, Charlton Heston not only played Judah Ben Hur, but he also was Moses in the Ten Commandments. And there were that all- was him. Oh yeah. my gosh, <laughs> this guy's amazing. Yeah, there's so there was all these um, big epic biblical movies um, around that same time because, well, they they made a lot of money and uh, they were epic. Like, so awesome. that, yeah, so that's why I wanted to ask you, you know that Ben-Hur was actually remade. Actually, the, the Ben-Hur that we're talking about is a remake, technically, of a 1925 um, silent movie. But then there was another remake back in uh, like 2016 or something that flopped. Yeah. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like, it, it, it's just, it's hard to gauge what uh, viewers want because of, uh, you know, you think of like the Passion of the Christ that made like right. hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. But I wanted to just ask you about can a movie like this on this scale ever really be made again? In the big screen? I mean, it's yeah. interesting because like COVID is probably going to knock out movie theaters. That was one of the interesting things that happened. All these movie theaters had agreements that new movies with, with these motion picture companies had to go to movie theaters first before they went on demand, YouTube, Amazon, you know, Netflix, which completely got bypassed because now they can't air their movies in a theater because of COVID. And they've wanted to get rid of movie theaters for such a long time now, uh, which in one sense is a good thing. In another sense is a bad thing. Uh, but if we're talking about like culturally, could they do it? Um, I think part of the reason why it flopped in the 2016 version is because they already had perfection with with the original. You know, with, I shouldn't say the original with with the with the with the Carlton Heston version, right? Right. The silent film missed the dialogue. It didn't have that same plot, um, so that I understand why they would do it because you're giving it much more life that way. Silent films are like all I can think is like pantomime, like you know what I mean? It's just like like the, for, the, for our listeners, he was acting it out. <laughs> <laughs> you you can't just like just like get into it like that but with um with this older version i mean there's a there's a rawness to the footage there's the we were talking about this too it's like the intermission that's in the middle of it like the incredible score like the score of this movie i i have it on spotify like i listen to it when i'm when i'm like driving and i and i and (laughs) so like yeah it's just it's it's just such a great such a great like like art form that it came together with and and there's something that's like missing from like a lot of movies today where like people don't know what men are supposed to look like or what they're supposed to sound like or how they're supposed to treat each other but like back to that relationship between him and masala it's just so legendary like right at the beginning it's just like back to the bygone days of yore like (laughs) like (laughs) masala and then like 
they they just like go off and it's like two best friends just like fighting to the death like one turns into the freaking devil the other one turns into christ and then like you know it's just it's just so incredible so i think the story is there i think the people are here i think there's plenty of catholics plenty of christians in general or, or anybody who's even like agnostic or, or even some jews might even come to this movie too because it's like it's been hurt you know he's a jew like we we look favorably upon this and i think it really speaks also to the fact that like there was a lot of anti-semitism especially in in that time period so this was a great way to, to bridge that gap with the jewish community and show that like hey like christianity had its roots in judaism this is not some like fundamentally radically different religion it's a deepening of what was already there. It's a deepening of those structures and it's getting to its, to its logical extreme, which right. is extreme. God literally comes and dies for us. And there you go. It's like eternally all nations can come together. Right. So, it's like, it, yeah. It's represented by, by the director, as you alluded to by Ben Hur. There's like, there's an Arab in the film too, which is kind of weird. Cause he's got like a weird thing for horses, but that's okay. <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> represented in this film. So it's okay. <laughs> well, it's, um, yeah, I know we're, we're running short on uh, time cause Will's going off to, uh, uh, to mass right after this. Thankfully he had time to talk about it a little bit, but yeah, I guess just a uh, final pitch. Like why, why should someone watch this movie? everybody has to watch this movie i just feel like your life is not complete without knowing who ben-hur is like (laughs) you you just have to know the thrill of the plot twists you have to see like the gladiator fight you have to see like this one man who is constantly doing the right thing despite everything that's thrown at him his strength in the face of adversity and uh just his raw determination you know, like it's it's a story that could have happened. It's a story that like interacts with Christ without making him look better than Christ, right? Like, or without like trying to like do something like that. Like, it always points back to God, right? Um, so for any Christian who just wants to like, you know, really see some good Christian cinema because there's like pretty bad stuff out there, Ben Hur, like, yeah, you can't go wrong it. with it. I mean, like a. Like I said before, it won 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. It's one of the, you know, I look at it just from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, not, it, besides outside of the plot, because I, I think that all that stuff is great, but just even just the magnitude of the production itself is something to behold and something to be admired and, uh, and almost a lost art at this point. You know, I think of like, you know, Avengers Endgame where, there are there are so many things, but you know they're all on green screens. They're all you know, like that chariot scene in and of itself. It's like all it, it it's it's built. <laughs> it's real it's and uh, yeah, and and it's and it's great. But um, Will, I want to just thank you so much for taking the time to and talk with us about you. her and uh, for everyone out there. Uh, hope you like us. Hope you uh, smash smash that like button and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And um, happy Easter. All right. All right. Happy Easter, Andy. See you later. Bye.